This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Now guys, Parshas Kisavo, okay? Parshas Kisavo, Perak Chofches, Pasuk Lamed Dalet. Perak Chofches, Pasuk Lamed Dalet. It says, Vayisa Meshugo, Mimarei Nechasher Tira. You're going to go crazy from the appearance that you see, from that eye appearance, or whatever you see with your own eyes. And then it says in Laman, hey, you're going to be destroyed with evil boils on your knees and on your legs that you won't be able to heal. It's going to go from your feet all the way up to your head. It's going to go down to your head itself. Now, this is something that in seemingly... It's going to make you go insane. I'm sorry, guys. I just have to switch this to galley. Thank you. Okay. There, there's a couple things over here that are strange. This is in the Tochacha, when Moshe Rabbeinu is giving Musr to Bnei Yisrael, that if things go well, great. And if things don't go well, it's going to go bad. It's not just going to go bad. It's going to get from worse to worse, bad to worse to worse to worse, etc. Now, one of the things is, is that you're going to go crazy. You're going to see the different diseases and everything out there, and you're going to go absolutely crazy. Now, it's weird because there are quite a, a few psukim in this aliyah, in the Tolchacha, that seem to repeat themselves. And obviously each one is necessary, each one refers to something. But for example, in Pasuk Chavzayin, it also talks about Shechin, that you're going to have the Shechin Mitzrayim, the boils of Mitzrayim, this type of skin disease that they had in Mitzrayim itself. And the question is, why do we have to repeat Shechin Again, just a few psukim later, in Pasuk Lamed Hey, what's the difference between what happened in Pasuk of Zion with the Shechin and in Pasuk Lamed Hey? What does that mean? So first, let's go into Pasuk of Zion. Rivari Kaplan says there are four diseases and punishments mentioned there. Let's go through all three of them. Shechin are Egyptian boils, described by Rashi as being wet on the inside, dry on the outside. Okay, I know you're reading, and I apologize for this, okay? But wet on the inside, dry on the outside. Yosef Halel says there's a gears of Rashi that says the opposite. Wet on the outside and dry, sorry guys, and dry on the inside, meaning it's wet on the outside, dry on the inside, which is the exact opposite. And that seems to be what the Gemara in Bechoro says, and Daf Memalath. It seems there, as well as the Gemara in Bavakama, Peyom Alath. It's also the gears of the Mizrahi. That's what they say over there. They say that whether, whether it's wet on the inside, dry on the outside, wet on the outside, dry on the inside, these boils were all over their body. That's the first thing that's going to happen to the people when they do badly. Next, apolim refers to a type of swelling. It could be a tumor. It could be hemorrhoids. It could be something horrible, the way the Ibn Ezra, the Redak, the Chizkuni, and the Ralbag says. The Abarbanel calls it bubonic plague which is absolutely shocking. It should be pointed out that the Gemara Megillah Chafayim Abayz says that when a Pusik gets a bit too graphic, when apparently, which apparently this Pusik is, it's changed. We do not read this word when we read the Torah. We do not read Bapolim because it's too graphic of what happens to the people. Instead, we read it as Batechorim which also means another type of type of boil, etc., but not as bad. So, so far, guys, we have Egyptian... Bo- I'm sorry? Yeah, Creek Siv, similar to Yud Kevav and Aleph Dalid Nun Yud. The same basic idea of how we do it, and that's the exact same thing. Gerev, according to Rashi, are running sores. Like, I, I can't even... Ugh. It's wet inside and out, which could be, honestly, a form of eczema. 
Like you think of eczema, right, in which there's like sores on the body and it's all wet, etc. That could be what it refers to. Mizrahi has a different issue, whatever. Cheres, according to Rashi, is a dry scab. Targum Yonas in the Redak and the Rabag says it's an itch of some sort, which can only be helped by scraping it off with pottery shards. That's why it's called cheres. Eov did that in Perak Bey's Pasuches, Vayikach lo cheres bo. But the Rabbeinu Bachai and the Ibn Ezra call it sunstroke, terrible sunburn. You ever see a guy who sat out in the sun for way too long? He's got that boiling, that bright red face, etc. Ksavah Kavala makes sense because cheres with the samach refers to the sun, while the word for pottery is usually with a sin. So cheres with the samach is the sun, so it makes more sense that it refers to sunstroke more than anything else. And by the way, now that we have such a thing called skin cancer, I would, it would make sense to me that this dry scab disease on the skin would be called cheres. It's skin disease. It's a skin cancer that a person might get, chas v'shalom. That's the idea behind it. Now, the Ravino Chaya, while he was there, explains that the sun actually has three names. We know Shemesh. Everybody knows Shemesh. Chama is the other one. Now, the reason why Shemesh is because it serves its creator faithfully. Thus, it's a Shamesh. Get it? The word is Shamesh. Chama, because it gives off heat. Chama, right? That's the heat that it gives off. Cheres, because it was formed, it was created to give light to the earth, which is the formed clay of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He adds that the Sophie Tevis of these three words, of Chama, Cheres, and Shemesh, is Shin Samech Hey, because the sun works for 365 days a year, and we all know a solar year is 365 days. Pretty impressive, right? And he says the Rashi Tevis are Shin Ches Ches, right? Shemesh, Chama, Cheres, which is a Gematria 316, the same as Michoel 101, and Aryeh 216, because Michoel is the Malach of fire, which obviously is the sun, and the lion is the Mazel, which leads the sun. I don't know what that means. That I honestly have no clue what that means. But the Rabbeinu Bechaya says that's the name. So I never heard that before. That's the Rabbeinu Bechaya that brings that down, how the sun works. But regardless, the Abarbanel says all these diseases stem from the same commonality. The people will be so depressed among the other nations, it will lead to diseases afflicting them. Says the Abarbanel, when a person is depressed and sad and upset, slowly but surely, he'll get these diseases. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. He's sitting at home and starts picking at himself, you know, like scratching himself, starts finding. And that obviously can lead to infected sores and diseases that can come from one after the other. Their bodies aren't going to be able to handle all the terrible things happening to them. Their minds will go blank. They won't be able to process what's happening to them, causing them a crazy amount of depression referred to by these terms. He says, in fact, the diseases mentioned over here, shin, is not necessarily a physical disease. It's a mental disease, which a person can't get over and start scratching himself, cutting himself, doing things to himself, just he can't deal with himself. That kind of nervousness, rubbing their arms and legs constantly because they can't get themselves over, that's the type of thing that we're talking about over here. And obviously, if you're sitting in ashes and dirt mourning over things that had happened, or family members who have died, etc., obviously the entire body is affected in that way. That's a brilliant of Arbanel, and the Arbanel uses it as sort of like a springboard to say, don't be depressed. Work on it. Bring yourself up. Work on something to make yourself happy again, because this is the result of depression. The result is a physical abnormality, a physical malady that happens to the person because of what, what ends up happening, etc., and all that. Okay, so that's all in Pasuk of Zion. That was all in Pasuk of Zion. All of that was there. 
The Miyam Lewes says that a person could be afflicted with all four of these diseases at once, the physical diseases, and there's no way to heal them. The Egyptian boils alone are impossible to hear because they're both wet and dry at the same time. The Gemara Navodah Zorah, Chavchasim Abeis, Chagigahim Abeis says there are certain diseases that you can't heal because wet boils need a certain type of refuah that obviously would be like, what do you think, like baby powder? You know, pouring like baby powder on them? While dry boils, that would absolutely do horrible for them. A dry boil that would make it worse. You'd need some type of cream that you'd be able to put on top. So meaning if you have this, one does the one thing that heals one won't be able to heal the other. That's the problem. And then even the rest of his body might get I get some type of disease, like hemorrhoids, that will require something to be able to take care of them. They won't want to do it for fear that they're going to catch the disease that this guy has. The only one that can heal this person is a Baruch Hu. Once he gets all these diseases together, which is why we say in our Shemona Esrei, Bahale Refua Shlema Lechomakoseinu. We're asking for Shlema for everything we had, even if they, so to speak, contradict each other. This is why we constantly say Asher Yotzar to Davin that such a thing will never happen to us. Even if you wanted to go somewhere else because you're going insane, you can't because your legs are afflicted. Your legs all the way down won't be able to go. You won't be able to walk. You won't be able to go from one place to the other. And that's the shot. As a side note, the Miam Lois goes on about Asher Yotzar over here, which obviously is something unbelievably special. It's something that everybody has to remember. The fact that our bodies work properly is a miracle. It doesn't make any sense. Baruch Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu made us with a tremendous faculties in which we don't get it, we don't understand it, but it works. It works. That's absolutely amazing. And there's so many processes that even one thing that would go wrong, I don't need to go on about it, but that's something that the Miyam always goes on. Rapur says, perhaps the people will be brought into exile afflicted with these nasty skin diseases. They're going to be exiled during the first base mitzvah, the second base mitzvah, and they're going to have these skin diseases by which the foreign nations will see us and they won't, have, they won't want to have anything to do with us. They'll be like, whoa, we've got to stay away from these people, making our social bearing, our social standing completely away from all the people around there. That's certainly what Tacitus and Bar- Barosius, the two classic Roman historians, said about the Jews. Did you know this? B'nai Yisrael left Egypt because there were a bunch of lepers. They had skin diseases, and the Egyptians said, get out, we don't want them anymore. They didn't leave because of 10 Makos in the Kriyas Yamsuf. That's, they made that up later to make it sound well. They left because they had all these skin diseases. Horiah, look at Parshas Tazria and Mitzorah. We have two Parshios in the Torah to tell us what to do about these types of Tzoras and all the things out there. It's a ridiculous claim. But perhaps that's the curse that B'nai Yisrael would have, why we would have to leave, etc. But truthfully, that could be a blessing in disguise. Many times in Gullus, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has kept us away from the nations so that we wouldn't intermarry with them or have anything to do with them. And Baruch Hashem, if this is the reason why they don't want to intermarry with us, that's amazing. That'll keep the Jews away from the other nations. Maybe that's a great thing altogether. It's a crazy thing. Now, that's the first part. That has to do with the Shechin itself. The Nitziv says the word Meshuga. And obviously, you always thought it was a Yiddish word, right? To go meshuga, to go crazy. But it's not. It's straight out in the Torah. means what will happen when you realize you can do something and for some reason it's not going to work. It should be relatively easy to go up against people that are doing terrible things, but it doesn't happen. You'd think that Hashem would take this person down. That guy's such an evil person. How in the world could Hashem allow this to be? And yet Hashem is allowing it to stay this way? Why would God do this? That would make anyone go crazy. 
I mean, to be honest with you, right, in a world where there's so much conflict and no one has any idea what to do. I'm not talking Democrat-Republican, which is another thing altogether. But in regards to COVID, about what to do and what not to do, how to act, how not to act. Look, I, I totally hear it. We're living in a crazy world. And it will make you crazy because you just don't know what to listen to. You don't know who to listen to. You wish everything would just make sense. But it seems to not make any sense. Maybe some people have it sensible. Maybe some people think it makes sense. I, I don't. I, I have no idea what the right thing is and what the wrong thing is. I have absolutely no clue. The Ibn Ezra says, Pasuk Lamedalid is because of the next Pasuk, Pasuk Lamed Hay. Once you see those skin diseases that you have, you're going to go insane. They're going to be on places that you won't be able to heal, like the backs of your legs or near your foot, that you won't be able to walk properly. And every time you sit down, it's going to be there. And there's nothing you can do. Anybody who's had psoriasis or eczema knows exactly what that means. What are you supposed to do? You can't move your body. You can't feel anything. It's just, it's so horrible. Every time you sit down, you get another rash. Anytime you scratch something, something happens. You ever gotten that, I, I mean, obviously, lahavdil. You ever got that mosquito bite that, like, you just can't stop scratching? And it just keeps going, and it becomes that huge mosquito bite, and then it becomes blows up, and then it becomes all these pus marks and everything. And you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely crazy. That's what it's like, and it's all over. It happens all the time. The Bechor Shore says it was typical for Shechem to be in those places. In fact, listen to this line. The lo yachlu achartumim lamod with Moshe of Neashchin. The magicians, the Egyptian magicians, couldn't stand in front of Moshe because of the Shechem. Listen to this. You know why they couldn't stand? They couldn't stand because they had shechin all over their bodies and shechin wouldn't allow them to walk straight. I, I, the problem, as a timeout, does anybody know when it says that? It says it at the end of shechin itself. You'd think by that time it was already over, but maybe it is just that during the Makkah of shechin itself. But they were embarrassed, whatever it is. It was difficult for them to walk, says the Bechor Shore, because shechin makes it difficult to walk. Now, Time to quote, Reb Chaim Kenievsky points out a contradiction in the Pesach. At first, it's only going to be your knee, th- knees and thighs. But then it says it's from head to toe. What happened over here? What does he mean? He answers that shin on the legs and knees damage other refuels you might be taking for other things, causing him to be afflicted in another way. I'm going to add to that answer from Reb Chaim with unfortunately a mind that is too much inside sports and say, has anybody heard of the Derrick Rose syndrome? Anybody remember when Derrick Rose was this unbelievable player and he ruined one knee? So then he came back. Remember, he came back, right? I'm sorry, yes, but he's playing on like borrowed legs, right? But he came back and, and he started favoring the other leg, meaning in other words, that, I don't remember which one is which, but the left leg was bad. So he started playing more heavily on his right leg and ruined his right leg. He ruined his right leg destroying the hopes of Bulls fans everywhere, destroying them completely, making them think like maybe they had a good team and no, he got hurt every other second because that's what really happened. Once a person is already favoring his legs because he's got this and that and the other on them, then the rest of your body starts to hurt and it happens by so many people with injuries. I saw my son the other day. He was walking around. He had hurt his leg for whatever reason, like the bottom of his foot. We couldn't tell what it was. We had no idea. But ever since Nochi, and those who know me know, like when Nochi had his thing, we took it seriously, right? But he couldn't, like we couldn't tell. And he was walking, standing on the right leg while limping with his left. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do it. You do that, you're going to hurt your right leg. 
you're going to hurt. He's like, but I can't walk on my left leg. I can't do it. And I'm like, just keep walking. Try to do it normally. If there's nothing visible and there's no bones, there was no broken bones or anything like that. And I felt the whole thing or whatever it is. I said, don't do it because you're going to favor it. You're going to hurt it. And he did. He ended up straining the, the, the muscle, what's that little thing, behind his knee. And the next day, he was like, Daddy, I can't move my right leg. I'm like, I know. That's what happens. That's what we're saying. I think that's the answer that he's trying to say over here. Now, the Meshachachma said answers this in a very different way. He says there are two types of Tara for a Mitzorah. The first type of Tara for a Mitzorah is if he gets better. He has Saras in his body, and then it gets better, right? Everything gets better. The second way, come on guys, how does a, how does a Mitzorah become Tahor? He obviously, the Saras goes away. Or, no, that, how does he become Tahor? If he becomes entirely white. His entire body becomes white. So listen to this line. Uh, uh, nonetheless, it's a Pasuk in the Torah that says it straight out. That's why it says, Asher lo You won't be able to heal it because the only Torah possible is to get your whole body white. It can't be healed in any other way. It may have started by the legs, but in order to make it Tahor, it has to go throughout his whole body. And that's why it started with the legs and then went from the, excuse me, the top to the bottom. The Targum Yonason learns it a different way. He says that the legs is not where the Shechin is. The Shechin happens because of the legs. They were bowing down to a Bodhizara, using their legs to run, to do improper things. Therefore, they were hit with their bodies. Everybody get the idea? It's not that the Shechin was on the legs. The Shechin came because of the legs and affected their bodies. That's the idea. And that's how Targum Yonason says it. And the Tzorah Mor says each day will bring something else, make it worse and worse. You'll lose your mind from the next thing and just won't stop. The shin is just an example of this. You'll feel an itch. You'll begin to scratch. It'll cause you to bleed. You'll get the infection like we said before. The infection will spread. It'll go from one thing to the other and then all of a sudden it's worse and worse and that's what it means. It goes from the knees and the legs to everything else. And the Alshich says something about Gullah Saddam and that's not for us right now. Does Nayim Latorah says there should be a simple line over here. You're going to go crazy from what you see. See, Rev... Um, the uh, Oznayim Latorah says, don't look. Just don't look. Why look at it? It must be that you're going to be put in a situation where you have no choice but to look. He says, everybody has eyelids that a person can use to shut his eyes. You have lips to shut your mouth. You have those earlobes or something, you know, the little flaps that allow you to shut your ears. It must be a situation where you have no choice but to look and you won't be able to close them. The Baal Shem Tov used to say that a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants us to understand how to get better and do tshuva from the punishments that he gives us. But sometimes that's not easy for us to see. So if you have the ability to see it yourself, and a yisa mishugah from what you've seen, HaKadosh Baruch will not need to do anything to us. Because it's going to be you yourself. If not, then Yaakoshem. If you yourself take action, you see something, you say, you know what, I'm going to work on myself. Because I can't let this happen. Then good. If not, Yaakoshem. Then Hashem will have to take you down. And chas v'shalom, don't let that happen. You do something about it. Don't let Hashem, so to speak, don't let Hashem get involved and do it for you. That's what he says. And now we come to one of my favorite Rebbe Kiva Eggers in the world. Rebbe Kiva Eggers says such a line that applies to us nowadays. He says, Einecha doesn't refer to Amiratzim who don't know their right from their left. There are people who, they look at something, they have no idea what they're seeing. 
They might have something, but they have no clue what it is that's really in front of them. Moshe Rabbeinu told Yisro, lanu You will be our eyes if we go to Eretz Yisrael. The Sanhedrin are known as the Eneha the eyes of the Eda, because these people are Enayim. They're the eyes, they're seeing, they're able to discern exactly, know what it is. We say every morning, Light up our eyes with your Torah. We're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu not to light up just our eyes. The Chachamim. Hashem, give them the right things to say, the right things to do. Says Rabbi Kivager, when he says over here, It's because the Chachamim don't know what to do. The Chachamim are out there and they're confused. And there's stiras between them. One rabbi says you should do this. And the other rabbi says you should do that. One rabbi says, I'll give an example again, contemporary, take the vaccine. Another rabbi says, chas v'shalom, don't take the vaccine. You have no idea what to do. You have no clue. What am I supposed to do? Give that as an example. One rabbi says, how dare you go against the government? The government says to mask, how dare you go against the government? Another rabbi says, you don't have to mask. If you can get around it, you don't have to. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do in a situation like that? And this is a realistic, how, how realistic is this Rebbe Kivager? You're going to see things with your eyes because you have no idea what the rabbis should say about this. And even they are arguing about it. At what point do you decide what the best thing is? It's Marianecha something that you have to see because you can't trust what anybody else is seeing. And then you're making all the decisions on your own? That's disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. I heard such a line from, I shouldn't say his name because it's whatever it is, but a big Rebbe in the city. Big Rebbe in the city. And the decision had to be made. It was at the beginning of COVID. I think it was March 21st or whatever it was. At the very beginning, when everybody's trying to make a decision, we had every Rebbe in the city, every Rav in the city was sitting together, every Rabbi of every show in the city, but all spectrums, like all over the place. We were all sitting in one huge room Right, some mass, some not. Nobody had any clue what was going. It was maybe a week after perm, maybe three days after perm. I don't remember exactly. But we're all sitting there, like, well, what should we do? What should we do? And we turned to the elderly statesman in the room, and unfortunately, those who know, Rav Gedalia Do Schwartz was out of commission. Rav Eichenstein was out of commission. They were unable to answer. Rav Levin, the Rashiva of Tells, if any of those three would have said anything, everybody would have listened. But they were out of commission. All three of them were out of commission. They, they were unavailable. Rev. Levin, unfortunately, passed away by that time. And it was nothing. We couldn't ask them, obviously. So we went to the next level. And the next two Rabbanim in the city argued with each other. They had an argument. And it went down. And one of the Rabbanim cried out. And he's just like, what are we supposed to do here? What are we supposed to do? He said, I would go to my Rebbe. But my Rebbe is sick. That's what this, this tremendous Rebbe in the city said. It's a Shiloh. What do you do when it's Mari and Echashatira and you have to make that decision because you don't know, you don't have any Eitzah? It's crazy. I once went to um, a big gadol in Eretz Yisrael and I asked him, I said, I'm going back to America and I'm going to be giving advice. I'm going to be giving advice to people and I, I need to know what can I do to daven, where should I daven or how should I daven to give proper advice to people? What should I be saying? He told me the craziest thing in Hashkivenu in Mariv. Besakinenu be'etza tova milfanecha. You should fix us up with good eitz in front of you. He said that's where you daven for good, to be able to give good advice. 
Visakinenu beitz the tovum of Necha in the middle of Hashkivenu. It's right in the beginning of Hashkivenu, right? He said that's what you daven for. It's a scary thing. People are coming to me for advice. I don't know anything, and I have a lot of gaiva. And I understand how much gaiva I have. And I still will freely admit I have no clue what to say. I had a question last night. Hashkafik. It's not even like a re- It wasn't a shaila. It was a hashkafik question. The person was on the phone with me for one hour last night. I have no... I Literally, I had no idea what to say. I didn't know what to tell him. And it was a huge napkin. I'm like, you have to go to somebody bigger. And he's like, but you know me. They don't know me. And I'm like, I hear you. I can't tell you. I have no idea. It, it, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And when it hits you that you're the one who's supposed to give the advice, you're the one who has to make that decision, you're going to go crazy. That's Rebbe Kiva Eger. It's a brilliant Rebbe Kiva Eger. Rebbe Sternbach says the same thing. The worst thing that happens to us is when Gidolim follow their constituents, when the great rabbis end up doing what their Talmidim tell them to do. And I know that's been said about Gedolim and Eretzor, and I have no idea what the truth is, if people are feeding information to Gedolim to get the answers that they want. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I hope not, because Siat Tidishmaya only goes through Gedolim who learn all day long, so you'd assume that whatever answer they give is given with Siat Tidishmaya, right? You'd assume that they're not being influenced because that's there, but that's how the Tamadah says the worst curse that can happen to Klau Yisrael is when that happens. When you can't stop the taivas and craziness around you and everybody's being mashpia from the outside instead of the other way around. I, I, I really have no idea. I, 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 I don't know what the best thing would be over here. That, that, that causes the worst machlokis in the world. The Chavetz Chaim applied this Pusik to his lifetime. Can you imagine this? In 1920s Europe, Eastern Europe, he said, He said, grown men, <laughs> you got to love this, grown men gather in droves to watch other people play with a ball and cheer and scream and yell and laugh as if this is something important. That's what the Chavetz Chaim said. He said, these players take their heads and they turn it into a third foot. Instead of turning their feet into heads, they turn their head into a foot. And that's something to cheer for? You think that's why a Kaddish Baruch gave you a head? Different from all the other animals in the world? That's the Shiga'on that you see that cannot be understood. And I agree, by the way. Soccer should not be a sport. I totally agree with that. Everything else may be different, but definitely. Soccer, out. Uh, completely out. <laughs> We're not talking different ones. And saying that this, right, is there. It, it, it's unbelievable. The Chofetz Chaim, he really, like, if you sit and think, the, the famous line from Rishon Shodron. Rishon Shodron, one time, he had a Talmud that unfortunately he was he was he wasn't in night theater for a couple nights. So Rishwa John went to go ask him. He said in the day, he said, What happened to you? He said, Rebbe, I'll tell you honestly, the World Cup is going on. Right? They're playing Kabbalah soccer. He's from Europe, right? He said, I can't miss it. I just can't miss it. I have to go every night. I have to go watch it. So the Rishwa John told him, like, you know, I, I haven't I haven't played soccer. I don't know much about soccer. Can you tell me how they play? So, you gotta understand. Does anybody know Rav Shalom Shodron? You read the Magid books from Pesach, Rav Pesach Kron, right? Those books are all, the first ones were all about Rav Shalom Shodron. It's great. He said to him, how do you play? So he said, okay, so first there's a goal, right? And there's a ball. And the point of the game is to kick the ball into the goal. You can't use your hands. You just kick the ball into the goal. Right? So that's that. So he said, oh, so it should be easy. You just kick the ball and get into the goal. He's like, no, there's a goalie. There's a goalie that stands in front who's blocking the goal to make sure that nothing gets through. So Rashawn Shurjan said, oh, I got an idea. Let's find a time 
when the goalie goes to sleep. And when he goes to sleep, we'll go, right? And we'll kick the ball, right? And we'll get a bunch of goals. We'll win, right? So the guy said, no, the whole point, he's like, thinks Shadron is an idiot, you know? He's like, the whole point of the game is to stand in front, to, even though the goalie's there, you're kicking it, even though the goalie's there, and getting it past the goalie. That's the whole kunst of the game. You're supposed to get it through. And Shadron said, ah. So the kunst of the game is to fight the Yetzir Hara, right, at the time when he's the strongest, to go to Night Seder even when there's a game that you really want to watch. That it's not so hard if you go to Night Seder if there's nothing else to do. You go to Night Seder when, when there's something else to do? Ah, oh, that's, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And again, soccer is not a sport. So he also applied this Pusik to when, when he was asked by one of his neighbors to watch their house while they were away. This, I, I, I never even thought about this. I cannot believe this story is true. But the Chavetz Chaim didn't own much. His house was pretty much empty. His neighbors lived in a much bigger house. They had a lot of stuff. They had a lot of stuff there. So they were worried. They were going away for a bunch of months. They were worried if they left, the robbers would come in, whatever it was. So they asked the Chavetz Chaim if he could move in can move into the house so that it would be a favor to them. Obviously, their mindset is give the Chafetz Chaim a more comfortable house to stay in, right? But they said it would be a favor to us because you'll watch the house for me. So the Chafetz Chaim said yes, not because he wanted the more comfortable house, because he wanted to do the chesed. He said, how often can I do a chesed? I'm an old man in my 80s. So he and his son, I, I guess his son or his grandson, I don't know which one was living with him at the time, they went to the house to move in and whatever it is. The Chafetz Chaim, I, I, he walked inside. And he opened up a closet at one point, and he saw dozens of pairs of shoes of all kinds and colors, right? And he looked there, he shook his head, and he said, back in the day, people spent a lot of money for a proper hat, right? And everyone wore the same basic shoes. You either had sandals in the summer and boots in the winter, and that was basically it. Now, people pay for a small, cheap hat that they put on their heads, and they spend thousands of their shoes. We went, remember this Pusik, may, uh, what's the wording? Uh, from their head down to the feet of their souls. It went from from their skull, from their head, down to their feet, concentrating on their feet, but the same basic idea. Now, Rav Hanan Wasserman applied this Pasuk to his time during World War II, when no one had any idea what to do or what the best plan was. Think about the Mir Yeshiva deciding to go to Shanghai, right? Deciding to go to the East. No one had any idea what to do. Should you get a passport going to the West? Should you try to get to England? Should you stay where you are? Should you go to the East? Should you go through Russia? Russia itself. What, 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 no one had any idea. And everything happened so quickly that whatever was suggested on Monday was already gone by Tuesday. There was nothing to do already by Tuesday. The only thing they could do, said Rohanan, was to rely on the Torah and to try to find some message, some hint as to what to do since everything is hinted to in the Torah. Literally, crazy times. That's the idea that he applied in his time itself. Now, when a person goes crazy, there obviously are a bunch of different ways. There's a question how to deal with it and what he should do and how to spend time with the person. You've got to figure it out. There were some Rebbe's who had a very unique way to heal someone who had gone crazy. Listen to this story from the Sipuri Hasidim. Once there was a man who went a little Meshuggah, but he only went Meshuggah in one way. He was convinced that the general in charge of protecting the city was Eliyahu Anavi. And the mayor of the city was Mashiach. He was convinced. He told everyone that he saw that this was his secret. He knew it. And he said, that's, that's Mashiach and that's Eliyahu Anavi. He could not be convinced otherwise. 
So the family became super worried about him. So they went to Reb Menachem, uh, to Reb Bonim of Peshischa. They said to Reb Bonim of Peshischa, what are we supposed to do with this guy? He's claiming that it's Eliyahu HaMashiach. What are we supposed to do? So the Rebbe asked, bring him into me. Okay, bring him into me. As soon as he walked in, he told the Rebbe, he knew where Eliyahu HaMashiach were hiding. He knew where they were and that's that. Reb Bonim said, who, you know, who am I? Who am I? Said Reb Bonim to the guy. And the man said, you're the Rebbe. You're Reb Bonim. You're Reb Bonim of Peshischa. Okay, I, I know you are but I also know who those two people are. If I'm the Rebbe, Rabbanim told him, could it be that I myself don't know who Elio and Mashiach are? Do you think I don't know who they are? This guy looked at him and said, you do know it, he said, but you don't want to reveal the secret to anyone else. That's what he said to Rabbanim. Because the guy said to Rabbanim, Rabbanim tried telling him, like, if I'm the Rebbe and I, you're my Talmud, how could a Talmud know something that I don't? So he said, you do know, you just don't want to tell anybody. He said, then you have to understand something. If I won't say something, I must have my reasons, right? So you shouldn't tell anybody either. You shouldn't tell anybody else for the rest of your life who Mashiach and Elio and Aviar. And from that moment on, the man would not tell his secrets to anyone else. For all intents and purposes, he was cured. <laughs> it's a brilliant thing to do. An absolute brilliant thing. You know something that nobody else knows that only a Rebbe should know? Good, don't tell anyone because Rebbe's don't tell, so you shouldn't tell either. It's unbelievable. It is a brilliant way of looking at it. Now, obviously, if a person is totally crazy and he's all off the rocker, that's not the way to heal him. <laughs> that's not it. But it's a brilliant way of getting around it. Now, the Shach points out that every single one of these curses is actually done with Rachamim. And if you read through these psukim carefully, you can see the Rachamim involved in each one of them. He painstakingly goes through each one and explains how each one is not a curse. It's really Rachamim Shamayim. It's showing the goodness of Hashem. Says it's possible that even when Hashem gives us a disease that cannot be cured, along with it, He makes us crazy. So we don't think it's as bad. We lose our mind a little bit, so that if there's such a disease, we no longer have the same level of sanity. Because if it would be with us, if we did have that sanity, we would go crazy. That's that. Vayisimishuga means that you're going to have so much simcha over everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for you, you'll go insane from all that good, crying that you don't deserve all these good tidings. Then Hashem will have to do something a little bit bad just to pull you back. Because when a person gets too happy, too besimcha, too laughing, laughing at the wrong times, you have to pull the guy back a little bit. He'll get a little bit of a pain, a little bit of yisur, and a little bit of something to knock him down a little bit so he understands that no, 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 I got to bring myself back into Olam Azah. I'm not in Olam Haba yet. Yeah. Who, who, who's supposed to do the knocking down? No, Yeah, yeah, Kaddish Baruch We're not saying anybody. Yeah. It's sort of the speak, so to speak, the line, and you guys all know this, Uz Yamale Schok Pinu. Uz Yamale Schok Pinu. You cannot fill your mouth with laughter and olam haza. That's not what this world is about. This world is about working and eventually getting to the level of az yamale schok pinu, which is olam haza. Yeah. I thought the whole purpose of this creation is to enjoy or to be the simcha with Hashem. Like, to, to, to have that connection with the Kaddish Baruch for sure. But that's not yamale schok pinu, because we're not there yet. Yamale schok pinu is only with Mashiach, with the base of Mikdash, etc. Yeah, Shlomo. Yeah, that is correct. I don't know how he's defining it within schok, 
Simcha, Sason, and Tzichok with the Tzadi. That I don't know. I'm just telling you that idea based on this, that's how he understands it. I don't think he's being exact. He's darshaning to take it out from the Pasuk itself. Now, the Balaturim says something interesting, and I think this is something that people should know, just Nevi'im-wise. The Balaturim says the last word of Pasuk Lamed, hey, Kod Kadecha, your head, that it goes from your feet to your head, the disease will be all there, is connected to the next word, Yole Hashem God will bring you and your king, that you and your king will go into exile. He says that hints to Yehoyakim, who is not Zochah to be buried. Now, I'm going to give a quick thing over here, okay? The funny thing is, I just did this in Navi Shur on Wednesday, but I don't think anybody here was in Navi Shur on Wednesday, so I think we're okay. Navi Shur on Wednesday, we went into, in Yirmiya, by Parak Chav Gimel, Chav Beis Chav Gimel, it goes into the, the Nevua about what happened by the times of Yoyakim. Yoyakim was an unbelievably evil king. Like, crazy evil king. Now, Yoshia was an awesome king. Yoshia was the father. He had was an awesome king, did unbelievable amounts, and unfortunately, at the end of his life, thought that the people deserved a different type of level, and he died in war. Paronecho fought him in war. Paronecho was going through the land, etc. Paronecho shot him with an arrow. He died, right? And Yoshia was gone. He had four sons. One of them never became king, but four sons. One of them was Yoachaz. Yoachaz became king right after him. He was only king for three months. After that, right, after, unfortunately, after he became king, Yoachaz was deposed by Paronecho. He brought him down to Mitzrayim. Yoachaz lived the rest of his life in Mitzrayim. We don't know what kind of a king Yoachaz was. He could have been like Yosha, maybe not, but it didn't happen. He was the second oldest. Yoachim was the oldest. But Yoachaz was a bigger tzaddik. He became king first. When Yoachim became king, he was king for 11 years. He was a horrible person. Taken in Gullus at some point. Bad things happened to him. Yoachim, at the end of his life, was captured by Nebuchadnezzar and led into exile. When he was brought, very quickly, Yoachim's son was Yoachin, who was only king for three months. That's when the Gullus of the Cherish and the Miskar, the great Sadiqim, like Hananiah, Mishol, Azariah, Chag, Zechariah, Malachi, Daniel, um, uh, Ezra, Baruch ben Neria, who else would have been there at that time? Uh, Mordechai. They all went into Gullus with Yoachin. And Sidkiah became king after him. Sidkiah became king right after that. Yoachim, when he was taken into exile, on the way he got very sick and he died. They buried him on the side of the road. But when I say bury, I don't mean to say it in that way. There's a machlok, is Rebbe Yudu, Rebbe Nechemia, and the Medrash, what exactly happened. But basically, they took his bones and they threw it at the side of the road. Yoyakim, the king of Yehuda, the king, the third to last king in our list of the Malchus based David, not only died on the side of the road, but wasn't Zochet to Kvura. He wasn't buried. He was buried like a donkey on the side of the road. Yermia called it. Yermia prophesied it for him, told him that this is what's going to happen to him. But that's what happened. Yoyakim ended up having that. Not only that, does anybody know the end story of Yoyakim? So Rebbe Prada's grandfather, Rebbe Prada's grandfather was walking outside the walls of Yerushalayim and he found a skull. He took the skull and he buried it. He buried it. No, not that one. He buried it in the ground. It's in Sanhedrin, Pebezim and Aleph. He buried it in the ground. It popped up again. So he buried it a second time. Popped up a second time, a, a, a third time. Finally, he said, you know what? This must be the skull of Yoyakim, which is said it cannot be buried. He wrapped it up in silk. He said, it's a king. I don't want to treat it with disrespect. And he brought it home and he put it on a shelf. His wife saw it, opened it up, and she was in for a little bit of a surprise when she opened it up. She found a skull. She went to her neighbor. So what do you, what's this? She said, oh, 
your husband, Rabbi Prater's grandfather, must miss his first wife. That must be the skull of his first wife. He brought it home, and he said, and he can't, he can't forget about it, so he brought the skull home. She said, what should I do with it? He said, you should burn it. So she took the skull of Yoyakim, she burned it in a fire and turned it into ashes. That was the ending of Yoyakim. This is hinted to right over here within this Pasuk. The death of Yoyakim is kod kodecha, your head, and then yolech Hashem oschaves malkacha, that your king, Hashem is going to bring you and your king to the next level, unfortunately, to go outside, there will be an exile and never return ever again. And that's the reference that we're talking about over here. Either way, everybody, we should be zocha to see clarity. I think that's the best thing, to have clarity, to understand why things happen and what we're supposed to do. Shkayach, everybody.